igniting original concepts. You felt like you were really making a difference for them. Why wouldn't you do that? The biggest challenge you have is not to... You're going to have disruptions all the time. If you want something different, you have to be willing to do something different. You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Gorilla Springer. For your industry, by your industry. Three years ago, the tech giant Apple promised to bring its entire carbon footprint to net zero by 2030. We're talking innovations in materials, clean energy, low carbon shipping, and restoring natural ecosystems. In this year's Apple event, or what some people consider to be the Super Bowl of tech, the company unveiled, aside from its new iPhone model, of course, its very first carbon neutral product, marking great strides towards their 2030 climate goal. They announced a carbon neutral Apple Watch model, 100% clean electricity for manufacturing and product use, 30% recycled or renewable material by weight, 50% of shipping without the use of air transportation, and to address the small amount of remaining emissions, high-quality carbon credits. The path to true sustainability isn't always easy, but more and more companies across all industries have been taking strides on that path or, or are at least beginning their journey. And if something can help move the needle, I think it's consumer behavior. If you look at the fascinating work of Matt Klein, he's a cultural theorist and strategist analyzing the psychosocial implications of our technology to consult on business decisions, and I'll link some of his work in the show notes, the drivers behind all of the trends he identified pertaining to sustainability in the past five years at least, and stemming from 500 plus trends from 30 reports, have all been associated with consumer behavior. In 2019, he talked about sensational sustainability, where manufacturers would cautiously cater environmentally friendly products. 2020, he talked about purpose over profit and questionable consumption, where we moved past recycling, pledges, and PR-driven marketing and into immediate action and proof-driven marketing, where consumers would declare their values by not buying or at least by focusing on essentials and quality and therefore forcing organizations to comply. 2021, green green and clean wheels, where sustainability wouldn't be just noble but lucrative for public buy-in. We're talking ethical consumption, loyalty, purpose, sacrifices for tomorrow, thinking local and not making people pick between themselves and the world. 2022, eco-everything, where sustainability would be embedded everywhere. Keywords such as buy for life, circular, and where they would want delivery now, going beyond green wash drops. And then this year, a grimmer picture where eco-efforts are seen as both empty and complex, with sentiments of a desperate need for progress, peace of mind, and leadership that actually cares. Examining the environmental landscape from 2019 to today, it becomes evident that conscious consumerism and sustainability have taken center stages across various industries, including the hair and beauty one. As climate change and environmental issues gain more attention, consumers become increasingly aware of their choices and their impact on the planet. In the beauty industry, this shift led to, amongst other things, a growing demand for eco-friendly and sustainable products. Consumers started to scrutinize product labels, seeking out brands that were transparent about their ingredients, packaging, manufacturing processes, those who would reassess their product lines and create multifunctional, long-lasting items with sustainable packaging. Brands such as Vish, Sustain Beauty Co., Ecoheads, Green Circle Salons, Green Salon Collective, are, at this point, all well-known within the global sustainability sphere of the hair and beauty industry. But there's one business, originally known as Affordable Salon Equipment Repair, that began in 1996 as a small beauty equipment servicing business in San Diego, California, who, years before sustainability was needed for public buy-in, saw a need in the industry for reliable beauty equipment service and repair. Today, this company operates under the name of the Salon Chair Guys, and it is run by Daniel Johnson, along with his business partner, Brian Moses. In order to accelerate change in the industry, I believe we need to speak as one voice or as close to one voice as possible. Like businesses, we we do like market research and we like, you know, we try to create these products we think customers want, but we do it in more or less of a vacuum. And the thing that's happening in real time is the new students who are coming out of beauty school, this is what they want. We're finding that they don't want to work at a salon or barbershop that's not implementing any sustainable practices. We know that customers are willing to pay a green fee in order to support sustainability. So owners have an opportunity to implement these practices, 
brag about them, be proud about them. Um, throw some trash on the ground in front of a kid and watch. I guarantee nine times out of ten they're going to say something or they'll pick it up for you. But, like, it's just not, you know, the times are changing. And the throwaway generation, you're just throwing stuff away. I think that's not that that is not the case anymore. People want to conserve where they live. They want to conserve the planet. They're worried about our future and our children's future. And so we just need to uh, have more places where we can get together and talk about it. In the more recent years, as they ventured into the business assisting in repair, maintenance, and or replacement with quality furniture and ultimately reducing the amount of salon and barber furniture discarded prematurely, they also expanded their offerings to include eco-friendly salon chair cleaners. Their goal being to create a comprehensive solution for salon owners and promote environmentally responsible practices within the industry. All of which led Daniel to one question. Can beauty be a vehicle for positive environmental change? That question then led to a mission and another venture, the green beauty community. He and a dedicated team of beauty industry professionals envision a future where sustainability is not an afterthought, but a fundamental aspect of every beauty product and service. Today, they're a thriving community making strides towards turning that vision into reality. So with that in mind, it's an absolute pleasure to have Daniel join me on Forest FM to discuss sustainability practices, some of the lessons he's learned from growing up in his father's salon and working alongside him, the early days of the salon chair guys and their upholstery and cleaning service offerings today, and the structure and goals of the green beauty community. Daniel, it's a pleasure to have you on Forest FM. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and thank you, Zoe, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. When Joe came to me and, and, and proposed it, it was automatically something I knew I had to do. I mean, you're doing amazing work here. So I just want to be a part of that. Well, thank you. I uh, I really appreciate that. Um, to get us started here, I guess, I was hoping we could reminisce on the early days of the Salon Chair Guys as a business. Um, as we talked about in our pre-interview calls and emails, it seems like the company has gone through distinct phases. Um, there was the phase when you know the, your father founded the company, then later on you joined and helped him out. Um, you moved away from the company, came back when he retired and rebuilt the business under a different name with one of your best friends. And now there's like a new... I guess, a new dimension to the Salon Chair Guys and a new venture as well. So definitely a lot to unpack. Um, but in any of the exchanges we've had and in other interviews that you've done, you've always given credit to your father who played a crucial role in the company's success. So if it's okay with you, I'd love to start there. Can you tell me about your father and the early days of the Salon Chair Guys? Well, definitely. Um, my father, I guess I'll start by saying he... he passed in 2018 um Sorry so to hear that. this entire experience with me for the cilantro guys is kind of my uh you know not to make it too emotional but it is a love letter to him mm -hmm. it's 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 uh it's something that he really dreamed for me and i didn't even know you know being a kid i had no clue uh what he what he had in mind but it started you know he was a hairdresser when he um just was discharged from the navy um he was a barber and he bought his first hair salon i think in sometime in the 80s um and so being in a hair salon was just part of growing up under him um sweeping hair back then they were doing jerry curls so you know, processing a Hawaiian Silky and Wave Nouveau and all these old brands. Like, so so that was just part of who he was. Uh, he was always really charismatic and and um, he enjoyed his clients and the time that he spent with them. And so when he decided to retire from doing hair, uh, he still wanted to stay in contact with his industry friends. And so he, he proposed a salon equipment repair company um, it was really something that we did ourselves just out of necessity because he really did not like the fact that you bought this expensive equipment and there was no way to really repair it if it failed. Mm. Um, there was no easy repair options. And sometimes a company, you know, would not support the customer afterwards. And so, and, and just out of, like I said, necessity, we're a small black business, you know, we're making money, but not that much. Like it's way better to repair it, you know, to keep it going. So 
he took that skill that he built probably from his engineering, you know, days in the Navy combined with, you know, the equipment that we had and and, and started out as affordable salon equipment repair. And this was in 1996. Um, and it was just... Uh, an opportunity for me and him to work together. It was my freshman year in college. And, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, best thing ever to work for my dad, because honestly, it doesn't mean I have to work that hard, right? <laughs> <laughs> what was his view on that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure neither did different. I know, like, yeah, neither did I know that he had a completely different idea for me. Like I was, um, I mean, I did everything from the front office to deliver equipment repairing equipment we would stay all day sometimes uh and so that's yeah that's kind of how it began it was just me and my dad um giving something a shot uh, and i appreciate he had the vision for it um and I, I i had no clue that all these years later it would still be a part of my life mm. um at that time i thought it was just something i was doing until i was going to get through college and um you know all these years later, yeah, I'm, I'm still talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, for what it's worth, I find it really moving that um, you've kept it going, that you've taken the reins, relaunched the company under a new name. Um, because from what I can recall, there was a time that you delved into SEM, SEO, and you could have very well stayed on that path, you know, build a very successful career in the marketing and web optimization space. But, you know, as, as someone who's also lost their dad, I think it's a really nice way to honor your dad, celebrate him. Well, I appreciate it. You know, he used to talk to me about legacy. And, and when I was younger, I had this mentality. I thought he, you know, legacy meant like he wanted a statue of himself or something somewhere. <laughs> but right. the older I've gotten, the more I realized that he really just wanted his effort, his work to be passed on to me so I wouldn't have to work as hard. And that's what he meant by legacy. Like he really wanted to mm. pave a way for me to do something for myself. And so, you know, I I, I really look back on that, and uh, I, I'm highly appreciative that he uh, had the vision to, you know, just try to make something that would make my life better. Yeah. And so, uh, coming back to it was, uh, you know. After I was doing SEO, SEM for uh, Yellow Pages Interactive, and um, things were going pretty well, but he would he would call me. He was like, "Hey, you should come back to San Diego and reopen the business. You should reopen the business." And <laughs> I finally I finally said, "Okay, Dad, I'm going to come back, but give me a year, and then after the after a year, I would do it." And so it started very very gritty. Like mm. I got a toolbox and a white van. And uh, drove around to all his old clients and passed out business cards and flyers and told him, um, you know, we're opening up the business now and and uh, under a new name uh, at that time, yeah. uh, the salon chair guys and and it was just, you know, it was kind of this was in this was in 2016 and so it was, you know, from 1996. What was really cool was we got to relive those old days again. So it was just me and him in a van riding around San Diego, you know, chopping it up, having really good conversation. You know, he's telling me stories about what happened over here and what happened over there. And then, you know, we'd pop in salons and be like, hey, you got something broke? You know, give us a chance to fix it. And 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 we just started again. And this time I brought my, uh, I brought my best friend in, Brian Moses, um, who I met at San Diego State. And at this point, we're family. And and so, yeah, we just we just gave it a shot again. And this time I really had some maturity under me where I wanted to be a part of the business the correct way and not just <laughs> not just find the easy way. And, and so I really put a lot of thought into what the cilantro guys stands for and could be and i wanted to develop it um intentionally mm. um and i think uh that's part of the reason why um we have continued to to grow in the industry because at one point you know this is pretty funny but at one point you know they referred to me and my father as like sanford and son like we were just riding around fixing junk <laughs> 
But now the world's changed and everything is about conservation and, and recycling and repair and reuse. Yeah. And now I'm in a world where what I'm doing is really valuable and it has been valuable the whole time, but I, the world had to catch up. Yeah. You know, and so uh, it's it's really provided me a, a unique space, I think. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, the, the concept of sustainability and making sure that furniture didn't go to waste so easily, especially considering how expensive that, that kind of equipment is, um, it made sense to you guys from the get-go. But it also seems like you guys were way ahead of the game sustainability-wise um, compared to at least most of the brands and businesses at the time. Yeah. Yeah, that was this thing in the salon industry where secondhand equipment or secondhand furniture was looked down upon, you know? Hmm. Um, where salons, you know, if, if a salon was going out of business, then other salons wouldn't want to buy their chairs because they would have some type of, you know, I guess, air about them that they felt that they weren't as good. But now you find new salon owners um, and like even um, stylists coming right out of beauty college they're interested in reusing equipment. They want the older antiques and the older looking chairs. Um, they bring style to their salons, which is really good. And they're durable because yeah. the chairs that are being used now um, largely imports and they're made with planned obsolescence. They're made to only last a couple of years where some of these chairs from the 70s and 80s are still around, yeah. you know, but an, a, a chair that you purchase online um, from not a reputable um, retailer will probably only last you a couple of years, which yeah. is sad. Well, speaking about the old days, um, do you have any early memories of growing up in your father's salon? Like, do you think those experiences have influenced how you show up and operate your business ventures today? Yeah, I mean... Like I said, I, I grew up kind of washing perms and 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 putting neutralizers in hair uh, and you know, sweeping hair, cleaning the bathrooms. Uh, I mean, he opened a new salon. I remember we even we put the tiles in from day one and painted the walls. And you know, he he was a military man, very much so. So. In that aspect, I say a lot of the things that that have carried on is um, he first kind of clued me in on the ability to learn myself mm. um, and how to be better once you learn yourself, learn your habits. And so now I go over things once, twice, three times because he kind of taught me that I would go like I would go clean the bathroom. I would think it's clean. I would come back and say, Dad, I cleaned the bathroom. He'd come with me and be like, okay, well, this, this, this. And so now I know before I go back to him, I need to make that same check yeah, and check in my head. And so I do that with my business now. Um, even something as simple as sending an email or even preparing like, you know, um, uh, um, a pitch deck or, or, or something like that. Like I... I, I try to step outside of myself and look for my faults and see where they would show up in something. Um, right. Because I know I've learned of myself that the first time I think it's right, it's not right. <laughs> and maybe even the second time, it's not quite right. Yeah. Maybe that might be the Virgo in me. I don't know. But either way, <laughs> my dad highlighted that for, for, for me. <laughs> and he always taught me not to say, I don't know. Like, I will find mm. out was the answer and I thought that was really something that I appreciated from him. I will find out, you know. So, yeah, definitely he gave me, he dropped some knowledge on me. I appreciate it dearly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about legacy a bit more, but first just a quick one on your current offerings. You not only service and repair salon and barber furniture, but you also sell furniture cleaning products now, and that's something that came about in the more recent years. Was it maybe during the pandemic even? Um, how did the idea come to you and how's it going today? Um, we introduced the cleaners in 2017 and it really was just a observation. We would repair our customers' furniture, redo their upholstery. Mm -hmm. We would do these antique barber chairs that are like 100 years old. 
And then we would take them back to the customer and they would ask, so what do we clean it with? And we really didn't have any um, anything to recommend that would be um, effective, but also not damaging to the fabric. Right. Um, and then also looking, you know, upholstery is one of our big services. And that is because uh, so many hair salons use Windex and floor cleaner to clean their chairs. And yeah. I think it's just one of those things that people do when you haven't been taught to do anything differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just they just don't know. No one's ever said it. Um and so we decided to create a product around that. You wouldn't clean your leather belt, your leather shoes, your leather bag with uh, Windex. Like, well, and your chair <laughs> makes you money. Like, your chair is like, a, you know, your partner in the business. And so, you know, um, we kind of just like observed that, and and uh, I really wanted to create some type of product associated with the salon chair guys, and so. Um, we uh, found a company that had been making biodegradable cleaners since like 1952, way before it was cool. Hmm. Um, and they made they uh, make them out of coconut oils, and and uh, we asked for a formulation that would be good for product buildup and grime on hair salon chairs, uh, fabric, uh, mainly uh, vinyl, but sometimes leather. Yeah, and they created one for us, and it's been going well. I think um, the thing for me with the cleaner is. The more that we talk about it, the more exposure it gets, yeah. the more people realize, oh, I should be using a specific cleaner. With the product being biodegradable, I think it really just brings home kind of the mission that we have at the Salon Chair Guys of uh, conservation. Um, and it really, you know, for me, I have respiratory issues. I you know, don't want to be exposed to harsh chemicals all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just kind of, for me, it, it's it's a, it all made sense and it's still making sense. And, and um, it's been a pleasure actually learning how to sell it because I had no clue. I, you know, I kind of YouTube university my way to this point. Yeah. And I've learned a lot. And um, it's really kind of given me a passion for even the sustainability and learning more about the environment and our effects on it. And it's been a whole process uh, with the cleaner that has uh, also kind of taken me uh, to places I didn't think I was going to go. So, Out of curiosity, did you have to do a lot of product education with your clients? I mean, you know, some people might be looking for a solution already, so it's an easy sell, but others may not even think their current cleaners are damaging their furniture. Um, So like if you're doing a repair job or upholstery job, for example, does it require some sort of educational conversation to get them on board for cleaning product upsell? It really did at first. Um, I think, you know, a lot of our customers didn't understand it uh, or, you know, didn't understand why they should buy a new product mm. because it's not a hot product. It's not sexy. You know, it's cleaning, <laughs> there's nothing cool about cleaning. We all hate to do it, you know? And so it's, it's a, it's a task to try to add a new, you know, a, a new routine yeah. uh, to, to a hair salon. Um, and also our biggest uh, rebuttal was always, well, I use barbicide or I use this. So the interview that you mentioned with Barberside, that was a really good plus for us. Uh, they, we could have been seen as a competitor company to them, but they actually extended uh, they extended their hand to us and offered to have us on their podcast. Yeah. And what was really great about that was it really stopped some of the rebuttals we had where customers were saying, oh, well, we use this particular product by Barberside. Um because they admitted that even though their products are great for hard surfaces and they're necessary for salons and barbershops to operate, when it comes to porous surfaces like fabrics, that our product was a really good cleaner. Mm. And that interview and that admission by them really kind of paved the way for us to uh, have a little bit more success and um and it, you know that was great. I think I thought it was great networking and great opportunity. I really uh, am appreciative to them for that. 
And like in terms of like where you're at today in terms of like the business side of things, like would you say you get similar amounts of business from the repair and upholstery side than you get from the cleaning product side? It's starting to change. Uh, The proliferation of these inexpensive chairs that are not repairable um, Mm. because it's just not worth it to repair them uh, is changing our business. Um, We're going to be focusing more on the cleaner in the future because as far as salon chair repair, um, unless it's a quality chair that's made in the United States by really good companies, like Collins and Belvedere, um, then you can buy a hundred dollar chair on Amazon and have it shipped, you know, to your salon the next day. Um, why would you pay us more to repair it? Um, yeah. And it's, you know, nine times out of 10, it's not repairable. So it is changing our business. So, I mean, we still do the upholstery and we still do, um, uh, restoring antique barber chairs, which is, you know, kind of like a really always a fun project when we have a new chair. Hmm. Um, but I think the cleaner is our future uh, as far as the salon chair guys is concerned. Hmm. Well, I feel like this is probably the perfect segue to discussing your other initiative, which is uh, also tied to sustainability and the idea of clean and eco-friendly products. Um Obviously, you know what I'm referring to, the green beauty community. Um, In previous chats that we've had, you've mentioned that your core business is the salon chair guys, but you're looking to make the green beauty community the project that makes a real difference. Before we dive into that, can we spend some time maybe just defining some key terms and how they differ from one another? Um, What I have in mind specifically is clean beauty, green beauty, and sustainable beauty. Um, What exactly are we talking about here, and how does the green beauty community engage with each of those concepts? Well, definitely. um, We have clean beauty, which refers to products made with safe and non-toxic ingredients. Um, we have green beauty that goes a little bit further than that. And those ingredients are normally natural ingredients. Um, Mm -hmm. and then we have sustainable beauty that is kind of a holistic approach where it kind of unites green and clean. Um, but it includes everything from the sourcing of the ingredients all the way until the end of the life cycle of the product. Um, like in in the case of forest paper management, um, making sure that you reduce your amount of paper that you use. And so for us, we want to clearly define them, but then also unify the factions kind of, you know, we, we, they're fragmented. And in order to accelerate change in the industry, I believe we need to speak as one voice or as close to one voice as possible. Um, you know, you have companies over here, they're talking about how, you know, they use non-toxic ingredients and then, you have other companies like mine who are saying, hey, well, we um, have a biodegradable cleaners. And then you have uh, Vish where they uh, reduce your color waste. And so the idea occurred that we need to do this together. If we really want to accelerate change and grow the category within the industry, I think doing business differently and in unison um, mm. and having a place for that is the best way that we could uh affect that change. And so this is us giving it a shot again. (laughs) So as it stands today, what does the green beauty community look like concretely? Well, I guess first, um, we wanted to build a really cool website, a place that could be like a clubhouse for sustainable beauty advocates. Um, And so there we have our educational materials. Um, We're actually upgrading the site to have a webinar platform soon where um, salons and and stylists who uh, practice sustainability will have a place where they can share their knowledge with people who want to learn. Um, A place also for brands who are practicing uh, sustainability within their messaging to come out and speak to a new audience that actually cares and will critique them. Um, We hope that it's a place that we can uh, make make progress quicker within the industry and make products better Mm. um, by giving that direct interaction with a core... uh, group of uh, people that care, you know, 
Yeah. I think uh, we, you know, as like businesses, we, we do like market research and we like, you know, we try to create these products we think customers want, but we do it in more or less of a vacuum. And, and, and there's not that really, there's not really that many opportunities to just engage with them and talk to them and have conversations. And, and this is a place where we'd like to promote that. Um, you know, I travel sometimes <laughs> and I would bump into the same brands and it would be Forest, Vish, Green Circle, Salons, Sustain Beauty Co., my company. And we would all be at the tables together, all <laughs> chatting, all talking about uh, yeah. uh, all talking about um, sustainability and preaching the good word. Um, and so I felt like, why don't we just create a place where we can all do that together, but online? Mm. A, we can cut down on some of the traveling we have to do. And therefore, carbon <laughs> B, footprint. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, and but B, you know, it will give us a direct link to the people who we're looking for and the, uh, we want to talk to, you know. Yeah. So instead of traveling to, you know, maybe um, one city and talking to 15 people, maybe I can get 50 people in one room and we can do it, you know, from the comfort of our offices or whatever. So um, the website is a greenbeautycommunity.com and and uh, it's really uh, just a uh, a shot. We just like I like to say this, but we're just giving it a shot. You know, it's just uh, um, I really think um, it's needed. The industry, mm -hmm. the sustainable beauty professional in our industry needs a place to call home. It can be lonely digging through trash and rinsing out your bottles and, and you know other friends and stylists are looking at you like, what are you doing? That's why are you being weird? Like, yeah. no, I need to wash my trash. But that's part of, you know, like, we don't want those people to feel alone anymore. We want them to find their tribe. You know, even that's cliche, but that's what we want. So yeah. that that's kind of what, you know, what the, what the goal is. I have this vision. I'm trying to build it backwards uh, to, to, to get to the destination we want to get to. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be talking about challenges shortly because I know it's something you were keen that we touched upon, but I'm curious to get your opinion on a question related to greenwashing. And I'll clarify what I mean by that in a second. So I spoke about the landscape of sustainability in relationship to consumer trends in the intro of the episode, and I mentioned conscious consumerism and how people are wanting change. But I also mentioned how... Um, what we're seeing right now is that the empty promises and, and or lack of accountability and follow through from world leaders and big companies are leaving, I guess, a taste of skepticism in people's mouths. So, you know, you'll hear big brands or companies say one thing, but then it's like, okay, well, who's to say they're actually following through on that and or that the impact they're actually making isn't just the bare minimum. So in this context, how do you think brands and companies practicing sustainability and especially those dipping their toes into it for the first time, how can they avoid greenwashing? That's a really good question. And I would say um, it's, it's, really a, it's really a complicated subject. It's, it's not as black and white as it seems. Um, I think when it comes to greenwashing, we know there are brands actively trying to deceive consumers. And so those are the ones we want to stand up against yeah. And those are the ones that we want to, you know, highlight as not doing the right thing. Um, but then the term greenwashing has been hijacked by marketing departments to attack other brands. And that's why I'd say it's not quite as black and white as, as you would say. Right. Because let's say your company has a product and you'd maybe not fit in the clean or green category. Um uh, you have a fragrance and your fragrance is proprietary to your product. You don't want to tell people what's in it, but you've had it tested and the tests say that it's not toxic, but you won't tell people the ingredients. Mm -hmm. Technically you're not really clean or green, you know, at that point you should be, but you're not. Right. Um, but let's say that same company, when it comes to their sustainability efforts from sourcing to using post-consumer plastics or glass bottles or, you know, their water management, their energy management is on point. Like they've done all the steps to be sustainable. So company A can point fingers at company B and say, hey, you're not sustainable or you're greenwashing. But in actuality, 
they've done a lot of things in the industry. And that's also kind of like the goal of what I want the community to be. We need a place for everybody at the table. It's climate change is real. It is hot as hell. We just had a hurricane in San Diego. Like we need (laughs) to get on it. And so these companies that are out on the fringes and maybe have not made that commitment yet, we still need to have a conversation with them. We need to figure out how to get them to create a sustainability roadmap, how to get them to implement their SDGs. Like we need to get out. We need to bring them to the table and pointing fingers at them and saying, "Okay, well, you're not doing this. So your trash is not going to be the way. And so it's going to be hard. That's actually what I was going to say. My biggest challenge is going to be trying to find a place where everyone can communicate, even if you're at the beginning of your sustainable journey as a stylist or brand. Or if you're just if you're just you know your godfather like Green Circle like you you're the reason why we're having this conversation you know like there 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 needs to be space for everyone to to communicate because we need these brands to make changes and we don't need everyone to do it perfectly we need a whole bunch of people doing it imperfectly mm-hmm. I'm sorry I probably screwed up that quote but you know we we need we need these companies to just start making steps like. If they, if you know, if they, just small steps, because, yeah, I, I mean, it's not panic time, but it's panic time, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, definitely. Hey, we need to, we need to step up. I don't know what kind of world my daughter's going to inherit in the future. I know that stylists coming out of beauty colleges, like their number one concern is sustainability and climate change. I know that that is the number one topic uh, of the upcoming future and we need to address it. So when it comes to greenwashing, I mean, we want, we want to be able to assist. So the brands that we affiliate with, we're going to verify and we're going to make sure that they're accountable and transparent with, you know, with their, with their products and what they're made of and what their practices are. Um, But we also are going to rely on the community to be a, a check and balance mm-hmm. for us, you know. Um, we want to have a close enough relationship with them where if something's not right, they can step up and say, "Hey, what are y'all doing?" Yeah, that accountability is important. Yeah. yeah, and then give us an opportunity to explain, like, "Okay, hey, well, this company product might not fit in this category, but it fits in this one." So we need to we need to say bravo for that at least. Yeah. You know, we can't just say, "Oh, well, you're bad." Because why would they continue to want to change if they're not getting any recognition for the change that they've made, you mm-hmm. know? So hopefully this could be a different space. You know, we don't want, I guess, you know, like, the, you know, green keyboard gangsters. <laughs> like we, we, we want, yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't want to just pop off and just start calling out brands and saying, you're crap, you're crap, you're crap. You know, we really want to just like bridge the gap help educate them on sustainability, what they can do, help identify opportunities that they maybe haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're finding that on our forums already. Um, members are talking to each other and they're exchanging ideas and, you know, hey, I'm looking for a uh, low-tox color. What do you recommend? Mm. Or, hey, um, uh, we're we're starting uh, our recycling, but we can't afford Green Circle. Like, what other way can we recycle? Like, they're they're already starting to germinate these really good conversations, and that's what we wanted. We wanted a place where they can connect, and hopefully, mm-hmm. it can grow, and everyone who uh, cares can come join. And you can use uh, promo code GBC10, and you can get a premium lifetime membership, so you can join in the forums and the webinars and all the goodness that we have planned for you guys. So, Thanks for offering that to the Forest FM community. I'll make sure to include it in the show notes. Um, one thing that crossed my mind actually is the overlap and vision between the salon chair guys and the green beauty community. And, the, and I was wondering more specifically, have the core values that guide the salon chair guys influence the ones you chose for the green beauty community or vice versa? Have they merged or influenced each other in any way? Definitely. Um, from the salon chair guys, our core business being repair and conservation of equipment to the product and it being uh, biodegradable and non-toxic. 
I feel like this is just kind of a natural progression. Um, honestly, I found myself on my salon, on the salon chair guys, social channels, putting a lot of information out about sustainability because it just naturally felt like what I wanted to do. And I know that audience really cares about chairs. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. They want to see really nice looking chairs. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I was still, you know, put the information out there because I wanted to communicate that we care about sustainability. And then I found myself consumed with it to the point where this idea just kept gnawing at me and um, I wouldn't let it die. And the cilantro guys definitely did uh, bring me to this point. Well, I know it's a it's only a very new initiative still, but um, if you had to pick one achievement that you're most proud of when it comes to the green beauty community, what would that be? Um, hmm. I would say I, I'm I'm really proud of the website. Um, seeing people interact with the forum and have conversations, it's it makes all of us really proud to see that happening um, because we know that it can work. And all we have to do is just let people know and they'll come and they'll talk to each other and they'll make new friends. And so I'm really proud of that. I'm proud of that part. And then we're just getting started, you know, and there's so much more to come. Yeah, (laughs) so much more work to do. (laughs) So, Daniel, as you said, there needs to be an at large change in the industry. How can people who have already embedded sustainability practices in their business, make it more of an enticing thing or an engaging thing for people to participate in, peers and clients? You know, I've thought about this a lot, and I think for us, or at least um, people in my generation, it's not up to us. Like, we can't do it. Mm. How do we make it cool? We can't. We don't want to peer pressure you into it. We don't want to chastise you into it. The thing that's happening in real time is the new students who are coming out of beauty school. This is what they want. They will. They are. Are we're finding that they don't want to work at a salon or barbershop that's not implementing any sustainable practices. Mm-hmm. Um, owners of salons that they don't have any type of sustainability plan or not really getting that much engagement, even from a customer perspective. Um, We know that customers are willing to pay a green fee in order to support sustainability. So um, owners who owners have an opportunity to implement these um, practices, brag about them, be proud about them. Um, So I really think it's, it's the kids. They're going to do it. They're going to make it cool. It's already cool. You know, it's already cool. It's just us old people hanging around that's like moving slow, you know? <laughs> uh, but it's already cool. It's cool to recycle. Like, throw some trash away. Throw some trash on the ground in front of a kid and watch. Yeah. I guarantee nine times out of ten they're going to say something or they'll pick it up for you. But, like, it's just not, you know, the times are changing. And, you know, I think... You know, it was a period in the 70s and 80s where we we're just kind of trashing everything, right? Like, it was just like big Wall Street, like uh, big money, like, you know, you just mm. the throwaway generation. You're just throwing stuff away. I think that's not that that's not the case anymore. People want to conserve where they live. They want to conserve the planet. They're worried about our future and our children's future. And so it's yeah. already cool. It's here. It's here. We just need, you know, we just... Well, I mean, yeah, we just need to uh, have more places where we can get together and talk about it. Yeah. So just off the back of that, let's say, hypothetically speaking here, you're to wake up a salon owner tomorrow. What would be the top five sustainability commitments you would make for your salon and why? Um, I would I would start with uh, trying to source eco-friendly products. Um Prior to our prior to rise, like non-toxic, sustainable hair and beauty uh, ingredients. Yeah. Um, I would go to my energy next, energy efficient appliances, um, if possible, uh, renewable energy sources, uh, water conservation um, through uh, eco-friendly uh, 
shower oh, like heads. The eco heads, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like eco heads, definitely. I would recommend that. Um, recycling, of course, uh, would be one major thing. I mean, the amount of trash that comes out of a beauty salon per day is, you know, is enormous. And so making sure that it's properly sorted and recycled and reclaimed is, is, is paramount. Um, I would say educate your staff, um, make this part of your curriculum as an owner, mm-hmm. uh, let them know why they have these policies in place and, and, and try to make them proud of them because they should be because they're doing their part. I think hairstylists don't really realize how many people they touch. I mean, I'm sure they do, but you know, they touch so many lives like that chair is, it's like a therapist couch. It's a <laughs> safe space. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's, it's a really powerful um, instrument in our profession. And so any stylist or barber that wants to make change, I mean, they have an audience all day long. That's how they make change. And so, Implementing that into your staff curriculum curriculum would would be my suggestion. And then the last, I guess, client awareness. Also, tell your clients what you're doing. Uh, mm. You know, if you're if you're taking these extra steps, it's worth talking about. Market what you do. You know, you're, you're recycling. You have eco heads. You're saving uh, waste on paper with forest. You're using vision, whatever it is that you're doing in your salon. Even if you're just unplugging your Wi-Fi at night before you go home, talk about it and why you're doing it and encourage others to, 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 to do the same. And, and I think that's how I would start a, a, um, a salon that, that, you know, is down going down the road of being eco-friendly. I mean, the, the, and the cool thing is there's, you know, I hate to really be heavy on on the uh, brands, but there are some really good um, products out there on the operational side of of salon sustainability that really kind of um, lock in um, your practices for you. You know, yeah. Of course, yeah. Outside of just products, because I think it's up until now, it's just always been about products. You know, cruelty free and non toxic, but now. You know, you can really, you know, kind of retrofit your salon to be as efficient as possible. Mm. So, Well, listen, this has been nothing short of a brilliant conversation. Um, but before we move on to the links and how to get in touch part of things, you, you talked about what you initially thought your father meant by legacy and what it actually meant for him. And uh, you also mentioned how you have a daughter and how you're unsure about, you know, the world that she's going to grow up in, how it's going to look like. So I guess, and perhaps by far the most personal question I've asked you today, what do you want your legacy to be? Wow. I think it's the first time I've been asked something like that. Um, For her, I want her to be proud of me. Um. And I want to do what my father did for me and make her life a little bit easier, maybe answer some of the questions beforehand. You know, like life is like, I guess, like test. We all have to take the same test. But, you know, whether you get some of the answers beforehand is kind of like, you know, you get your leg up. I want to give her a leg up. Um, And I I want her to be proud. And um, I guess as far as my legacy, um. You know, I, I uh, they can just say I gave shit a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, I kept trying. I kept trying. And, you know, I'm yeah. going to keep trying. I've got no doubt about so. that. <laughs> and listen, if there's anything I can do to help, don't hesitate to reach out. I'd be more than happy to do so in any way that I can. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for this. This was really nice. I enjoyed it. I'm glad you did. Glad to hear that. I honestly, I feel like this this time that we've spent together, this past like hour we've spent together, really covered a wide range of valuable insights for folks. So thank you for being so open to sharing your thoughts, your ideas, your experiences, and and I guess now is the perfect time to ask: um, How can people listening to this connect with you online or become a member of the Green Beauty community? Uh, you can uh, for the Salancha guys. You can find us. Um, at the salonchairguys.com and on Instagram, uh, backslash the salon chair guys. And uh, same for the green beauty community. Uh, so it'll be uh, 
greenbeautycommunity.com and the Green Beauty Community on Instagram. I have a thing with these these. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's funny about it is people would refer to us as salon chair guys. And I'm like, no, you left out the the or the. Uh, so it's like a tribe called Quest. You have to say it all together. You can't just call them Quest <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or called Quest, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you can reach us there. Uh, we're easily uh, found online. Um, and I would appreciate if you checked out the Green Beauty community. Generally, I hope it becomes a clubhouse for sustainability. And um, the promo code GBC10, you can get a lifetime membership so you can uh, get all the bells and whistles for the rest of your life. So, uh, thank you, Zoe, for having me, and uh, thank you, Forrest, for uh, having me as well. I appreciate you. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to contribute your knowledge to Forrest FM. Feeling very grateful for that, and uh, and I'm excited to see how both the salon chair guys and the green beauty community keep growing. Thank you. Appreciate you as well. The green beauty community believes that beauty should make you look good and do good for our planet. Like I mentioned in the intro of the episode, their journey started with a seed of thought, a question. Can beauty be a vehicle for positive environmental change? And Forrest, as a brand affiliate of the Green Beauty community, invites you to think about your sustainability practices in your business, in your salon or spa. If you're looking for some ideas, the Green Beauty community is a great place to start. They've got a free membership and a premium one. The free membership gives you access to curated resources, educational content, and expert insights. Their newsletter will keep you informed on the latest in sustainable salon and barbershop news. You'll be able to connect with a vibrant community of like-minded individuals, receive trustworthy recommendations for eco-conscious products and brands. You'll be able to participate in engaging discussions and share your experiences, and enjoy exclusive discounts on selected sustainable beauty products. For the premium membership, that includes obviously all of the free features, but then you'll also get access to a salon sustainability coaching call, get access to their premium member forum, rooms, connect with leading brands seeking coaches, representatives, and influencers, and find new growth opportunities within the community. You'll be able to enjoy enhanced networking opportunities with beauty professionals and brand owners, and then you'll get bonus perks such as exclusive giveaways, discounts, and early product launches. If you want to join the Green Beauty community on their mission to make Green Beauty the new standard, you can head over to greenbeautycommunity.com and sign up. And don't forget that you can use the code that Daniel gave in the later part of this conversation, which you can also find in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Forest FM. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. As always, you can head over to forest.com forward slash FM to catch all the latest from the show and check out the links and resources mentioned throughout the episode. And if you've got any feedback, be sure to let us know. Send us an email at forestfm at forest.com. Brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Forest FM episodes air weekly, sharing inspiring stories from the salon floor and amplifying community voices all over the globe. In your salon, we're at the heart of it. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z, Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments.